are listening to a sermon from the pulpit of Redeemer Church, a PCA congregation in Hudson, Ohio. For more information, visit us at RedeemerOhio.org. Good evening. It's good to be with you this evening. I have the privilege to bring you the Word of God uh, this evening from Galatians chapter 5. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Nate Bauer. I am uh, the RUF campus minister at Reform University with Reform University Fellowship at the University of Akron and at Kent State University. And it's a privilege uh, to be able to preach this evening here at Jacob's Ordination. Before we read God's Word, let's go before Him in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are the one who opens our eyes to know you, who works in our hearts to receive you. And we pray now your blessing on this service. We pray your blessing on this preaching and reading of the word. Lord, we come to you as sinful men, not as perfect men. A sinful people, not a perfect people. We trust in you and you alone to accomplish your salvation in our hearts and the hearts of all your people. And we pray that you would do so this evening. May this be a time in which we are drawn closer to you, in which sinners are convinced and converted and your saints are built up. We pray all of this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. If you would now give attention to the reading of God's word from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. May he write its eternal truth on all of our hearts this evening. If you are at all acquainted uh, with our pastor here, our senior pastor, the Reverend Scott Wright, you will know that he is a wonderful preacher, uh, a husband of a wonderful wife, father to wonderful children, and his favorite movie is National Treasure, (laughs) with the prolific actor Nick Cage. And I want us to think about this evening our lives as a treasure hunt. So all of you older folks, I want you to become like little children. Little children have no issue imagining a treasure hunt and what a treasure hunt looks like. Imagine that your life is a treasure hunt for freedom. What are you currently hunting for freedom from? It's a question I pose to college students all the time. What are you hunting for freedom from right now? Maybe it's freedom from, if you're a college student, the burden of exams, uh, the fear of the future, uh, the worries about what the future might bring, all of the unknown questions. You just want them answered. 
You want it to be secured. You want to know what your future is going to look like, where you will go, and the success that you will have. Uh, If you are a father or a mother, maybe you are searching for the freedom of just a moment of time. Just a moment of time to call your own. Or maybe freedom from the burden of worrying about what's going to happen with your children. Will they believe uh, in the gospel that you're teaching them? Uh, Will they live on to bring honor to their father and to their mother and to their Lord? If you're older, maybe you fear what comes next. Maybe you want freedom from the fear of that next transition through death into life. Maybe you want freedom from, again, worrying about what's going to happen to those friends and loved ones that you leave behind. Uh, If you're a child, maybe you just want freedom from your parents. (laughs) the freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want. All of us are searching for freedom from something. And what Paul is reminding the Galatians of with this entire letter is that their true freedom is found in Christ because they have forgotten where their freedom came from. They have, if you read through the rest of Galatians in your free time throughout this week, they've forgotten their first love. They've started to go back to the old practice of their faith and of their worship. They've started to go back to those old habits, those old comforts of their past and adding them in to their worship today. They'd heard the gospel. Paul gave them the gospel. They'd received it with incredible joy. But as Paul tells us in chapter 1 of this letter, they abandoned it astonishingly quickly for a little bit more of a hybrid model, a little bit more of a have-your-cake-and-eat-it-too kind of gospel. We want to receive Jesus' forgiveness, but we also want to feel good about ourselves while we do it. What Paul is reminding the Galatians of in this letter, and what I want you to hear this evening, Jesus reminding you of, is that the only true freedom that exists in this world is found in Jesus, in Christ, and only in Christ. You will find no rest in the pleasures of the world, in the pursuits of this world, Uh, Children, you will find no freedom and rest in being able to do whatever you want. You'll find no purpose in the pursuits of this world. Even if you're given all the money, all the free time, all the love, all the comforts, all the security, all the opportunity, and all the experience that this world has to offer, you will only be left with the hunt for more. Because God made you with this desire for more than this world can satisfy. More than anything this world can offer. You have guilty stains that only God can wash away. 
And he's standing like the father of the prodigal son with open arms and the clothes of his only son to receive you home, to cover your nakedness. He is standing with open arms with the treasure of his love. The freedom that Paul is talking about here is the freedom from the guilt of sin. The need for more. The freedom is the freedom from the burden of responsibility to be righteous. Because our debt has been paid. Our account is full. We cannot add more to the sacrifice of Jesus and his righteousness that he has given to us. And that we receive when we repent and believe. This is the freedom of salvation. This is the freedom that we realize when we discover what we were made for, who we were made to live for. We were made for the glory of the Lord, not our own satisfaction, not our own glory. We were made for the glory of the Lord, the enjoyment of his presence, the singing of his praise with every fiber of our beings, with every movement of our bodies, in every circumstance and responsibility that we've been given, that we've been put into, that we exist in. In all of this, we were made to glorify our King. So how does that practically change our lives? That's not a new message. Uh, you've heard that, if you've heard the gospel. How does that practically change your life? All of a sudden, you've been turned from a treasure hunter into something different. Into this, you've, you've turned from this treasure hunter who's constantly hunting for your own, the satisfaction of your own desires, the satisfaction of your own needs, and all of a sudden you've been turned into something else. What do you do now? you still have all of the same day-to-day -day responsibilities, right? Nothing's changed. If yesterday you did not believe and today you believe, what practically has changed about your daily life? You still have all your same difficulties, problems, responsibilities. Look at what Paul says again. For freedom, you have been set free in Christ. Our salvation is our being freed. And the life we now live on earth is lived for the cause of freedom. It is lived for the cause of Christ. It's lived so that all might know this great salvation. You are now a light shining in the darkness. You are a beacon of hope in the midst of a great storm. 
you no longer are on the hunt for the satisfaction of your own soul, but for the salvation of the souls of others. This is what it means to be a Christian. And this completely changes every practical day-to-day aspect of our lives because, because God chose to make himself known to the lost through the found. It's because of this inexpressible good news of the salvation of Jesus Christ that men like Jacob, like Jason, like Scott, like the other pastors in this room, it's because of this good news that they feel the call to be pastors. It's because their hearts have been so indelibly impressed by the freedom that they've received that they feel compelled to be uniquely devoted to sharing that freedom with others. They uniquely devote their lives to the sharing of that freedom. And I want to take a moment to ask you whether or not you also feel that call. Ordination services are unique opportunities for us to see real life right up in front of us. Someone answer that call. And to ask ourselves whether or not God is calling us to do the same. Regardless of whether or not you feel a unique call to ministry or not, we're all called to live, to live so that all might know the love of Christ, regardless of what we do for a living or what shape our lives are in. We could be total messes, and we could look like the most put-together person in the room. We all have been called to make known the love of Jesus everywhere. Now, if you're like me, that riles you up inside, right? Just gets you ready to go. Uh, I am so excited and so filled up with this freedom that I've been given to share the love of Christ through obedience to the Lord, through the glorifying and enjoying of his presence and of his name. I'm going to crush it tomorrow. But we're going to go home. We're going to go to sleep. We're going to wake up tired. We're going to open up our email inboxes and just freak out. We're going to do bad on an exam. We're going to lash out at our siblings in anger or frustration. We're going to disobey our parents. The list goes on. How on earth is God going to attract sinners to salvation with this mess? You will wake up tomorrow and feel overwhelmed, insufficient, and completely inadequate. Sinners will be drawn to Jesus in your life as they see you living in the midst of all your messiness, in the midst of this factory of darkness that is your soul. 
They will be drawn to Jesus as they see you living in that mess, praising God's name. Because you know that for all the sin that you still produce, for all the sin that you are actively doing, it cannot dirty the white robe of righteousness that Jesus has laid on your shoulders. You can walk in this broken and messed up world, this burdened reality, light and easy, because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. That is why Paul goes on to say, Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Because when you fail to remember your freedom in Christ and begin again to trust in yourself, to hunt for your own satisfaction, or to add things into the gospel of Jesus Christ for your own comfort, for your own security, you darken the witness of the light in the world. When you submit again to a yoke of slavery, you become an obstacle to the message of salvation, to the cause of freedom. You disregard the sacrifice of Christ and say that what he did is not enough. This is why Paul is exhorting the Galatians and Jesus is exhorting us through him to stand firm, to remember your freedom in Christ, that your salvation is accomplished in Christ and Christ alone. What the Galatians were doing was submitting again to this yoke of slavery, darkening the light. And that is what we do when we forget the love of Jesus in the moment in order to taste the familiarity of that temporary comfort in the darkness of sin. So again, what does it look like then, practically, to stand firm? I love viewing this command of Paul through the imagery of Psalm 1. The wicked are like chaff, the husks of grain that are blown to and fro by the wind. But the righteous, those who believe, are like trees. They're planted by streams of water that yield fruit in season and leaves never wither. They meditate on God's word day and night and delight in his commands. To stand firm is to root yourself in the gospel. To root yourself so firmly in the gospel, to be rooted so firmly in the gospel that you cannot forget it. I was reminded of this just in the sermon this morning from our pastor. Being rooted, his, his faithful preaching of the word helped me be rooted 
We, we come to worship in God's presence every work in order to, every week in order to deepen our roots, to resist the blowing of the wind. It is not a coincidence that Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. Because the wind will blow. And it will blow all the more strongly against those who declare the name of Christ most loudly. This is a fearful reality for all of those who enter into pastoral ministry. Everyone in the room should listen closely. As I say, pastors are not immune to the blowing of the wind. We are prone to forget, just as you forget. We are prone to find comfort in things other than Jesus, just as much as you are. We all need one another. Pastors need your prayers. I would go so far as to say more than everybody else (laughs) because they not only take on the name of Christian, but they also take on the role of minister in the name of Christ. They stand before us as examples of standing firm. That's a terrifying position to be in. It's a scary place to be. It's a lonely place to be. Every word they say and every move they make carries the weight of that commitment. This is not a commitment to be taken lightly by the shepherd or by the sheep. It is a huge sacrifice and an enormous responsibility. It is a real life picture, one that you can come up to and like poke, of the sacrifice and responsibility that Jesus took on to bring us the good news, to teach us and to live it out before us. It is a powerful testimony of the sufficiency of Christ. And Satan hates pastors. So with that in mind, as Jacob comes to be ordained to this service, to ministry service, let's rejoice together in this testimony Let's rejoice together in the freedom that we all know in Christ, that Christ has set us free. Let's rejoice over this man and the testimony of God's faithfulness to his people that he is living out. And let's commit to standing firm with one another, shoulder to shoulder with one another as the people of God like living stones in the temple of the Lord, supporting one another and praying for one another in the midst of the blowing of the wind until that day that we all long for 
when the wind is silenced and the waters are still and King Jesus comes again. Amen. Let's go before our Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, it is difficult for us to even comprehend your goodness. For us to comprehend the freedom that you have given us. We find ourselves insufficient to the task of proclaiming this freedom to the world. We pray that your spirit would strengthen us to the task. We pray that you would be in us, rooting us deep so that we would stand firm against the blowing of the wind. We pray that you would keep us from the temptation of submitting again to that yoke of slavery. Lord, help us to support one another in this cause. Help us to not darken the witness of the light in this world, to not be obstacles to the gospel in our own lives or the lives of the people whom we love. But let us proclaim freedom through our love for one another in serving one another as a member of God's family. We pray all of this in Christ's precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information or to connect with us, visit us at RedeemerOhio.org.